Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. Bradley's mother, Narcus Dolan, passed away in the fall. Bradley is autistic and needs structured routine and therapies he receives for his autism six days a week. However, Italy just entrusted Bradley to the Italian social services. If he is rolled to go back, he will face the next three to four years in the Italian foster care system, where he can't speak or understand the language. He will then be taken away from the only family he has ever known, and we have Judge Ann Donnelly to thank for that. And please call Governor Hochul, New York State, 518-474-8390. That's Governor Hochul, 518-474-8390, to please keep Bradley here safe in these United States. Hashtag keep Bradley safe. And also, if you could visit the site, please do your job dot. Calm. We need to get 2,000 more signatures to get a case reopened. That's pleasedoyourjob.com. I'm so happy to have a brand new guest on. She's from San Jose. Her name is Surrender Kaur Dhaliwal. She's from San Jose City, and she is running for uh, the Council District 8. And she's pushing for affordable housing, police reform, crime and safety. And she's got a lot of support from her mother. And her mother is her bigger, biggest supporter, and there's a lot of prayer involved in their lives, and prayer does work. So I welcome you, Surrender Cow Dolly Wally. How are you? Uh, I'm as well as I can be, um, staying resilient in a situation that I didn't create, but I'm stuck in. Mm-hmm. How did this all start when you decided to run for San Jose City Council District 8? Um, so I uh, was working at Google when my son was taken away from me, mm-hmm. um, a wonderful job supporting three directors as an administrative business partner. Uh, when my son was taken away from me the second time, I quit my job. And so the last year and a half, I've spent doing a lot of volunteer work and um, fighting to get my son back in every way that I can think of, going to police stations, whatever. Um, and then spending a lot of time at the San Jose Sikardwara. Uh, serving meals, talking, and all these kids that are there, they're like my kids, and help me fill the um, the void that I feel not being able to see my own son. Um, and so there is a lot of community there that have known me since childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is uh, one of my aunts, uh, her name's Colwant, and uh, she one day told me I should run for San Jose City Council. And um, so I spent a couple days thinking about that, like, you know, how would that impact um, this journey I'm on trying to get my son back. Um, uh, am I able to do that? That's a big job. Um, so I spent a couple of days and, um, you know, I have the confidence in myself. And so I, I said, I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. And so I put my name in the hat, <laughs> um, did all the paperwork, got 75 signatures and got my name on the ballot. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So then you have to have so many signatures to get your name on a ballot to even participate. Yes. Well, I'm sure that wasn't hard when your your mother is very strong in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking earlier where there is um, ARDAS and how the prayer takes place and that your mother is the leader of this. Um, my mom's a leader in that. So she's been uh, reading from our uh, the city Guru Granth Sahib, our holy scriptures, mm-hmm. um, every single day for the last like, I don't know, 40 years. Um, And, uh, you know, she really wholeheartedly believes in them. 
in the prayers and they have impacted our lives. And even my dad, he was a spiritual leader as well. Um, and from my mom, a lot of other people and women have turned to prayers um, and reading them on a daily basis and practicing them uh, to solve the um, issues going on in their own lives. And so in that, my mom's become a leader to tell people that these <laughs> it actually works and, and to keep praying. Um, you know, timing-wise, everything that we um, manifest and pray for doesn't come right away. And so mm -hmm. we have to have a level of patience and just stay with a strong moral compass um, that we're on the right side and we're going to do everything within our power. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, because we are in a battle of spiritual warfare in these family courtrooms. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what do you think of what goes on in these courtrooms and, you know, when you are in city council district eight, is there anything you can do to help fix this situation? Um, you know, I stay hopeful. Um, mm -hmm. We're up against a machine that's been working for a long time and, um, you know, a well-oiled machine will work really well. Mm -hmm. but, um, we, you know, we're all changing that by voicing ourselves and our concerns on what is happening. And so when we talk about things like police reform, mm -hmm. um, so yesterday I was watching, um, I received all of the documents for one of my cases, which is with my former psychiatrist, mm -hmm. um, her and my husband, uh, ex-husband had colluded to try to get me institutionalized. And so eventually she had to get a restraining order. Um, after a year of not seeing my son, I was still texting her. I'm like, you have ruined my life. Oh. Um, and so she got a restraining order. And so that restraining order I intentionally violated. And um, so yesterday I received all of the video coverage from the sheriffs and everyone. If we can add up how much money has gone into keeping me and my son apart, that is a lot of money and resources that could actually be used mm -hmm. to find people and prevent crimes. And when I'm just one case, and when we look at all of these, they all have so many similarities. I mean, we're talking a lot of money and a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. Well, this is all taxpayer funded torture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's and I, I like that you said this is a well oiled machine, because people say, well, the system's broken. It's like, no, it's not. They're running it the way it it's supposed to work because there's so much money to be made. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in one of the videos that I was watching last night, um, this sheriff, as I'm being booked, um, is handing some paperwork to someone else. And they're joking about um, that. This is a multi-million dollar corporation. And mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah. And they know it too. You know, and the taxpayer kind of doesn't know this. Yeah. And that's what I want to bring a lot of awareness to. Um, so myself, I would never have imagined this nightmare. Mm -hmm. And I know it's been going on for decades for a lot of people. I mean, actually, a lot longer than that. We can go back all the way down, back to the indigenous people and how their children were taken from them as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so had I not gone in this, you know, separation and stuff, I would never have known that this type of um, corruption exists in our system. Mm hmm. Yeah, once we go through it naively thinking that justice will be done and the judge will listen to us and the judge will actually look at our exhibits, you know, yeah. people need to know this is not going to happen. 
and there's collusion and conflicts of interest and there has to be a target parent. Yeah. Yeah. And um, in my case, I have Judge Zecker um, and, you know, I've filed complaints against her. Other people have too. And of course, you know, they're going to get buried and no one's going to listen. Um, but that's where like LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all of these social medias come in play where uh, you can't silence us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and our momentum has gotten really strong with all the people that are advocating for this to end. Right. Uh, I know, like, I've heard when I started this venture, parents were saying, you know, I'm going to call the, the newspaper. They need to know about this. But the press doesn't want to get involved. And they don't want to give us the whole story either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we know that the press is like um, just a version that, that they want to create and um, going to different news sources and then finding, um, I found many different journalists, including Susan Bassey um, oh. and Brandon Cartwright, who writes in um, the Palo Alto Times, really wonderful uh, truth tellers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Susan posts really awesome stuff on LinkedIn uh-huh. and uh, she's really spreading the word and uh, it just, there's so much to be said from all parents. Yeah. And, you know, the stories need to be told so much so that, you know, there was a time when there was the orphan train. And then once p- people found out about that, they started talking about it and someone put an end to it. I, I can't remember how that history went, but they stopped doing it. So mm-hmm. I figure if we all keep talking about it, and sharing it all over the place. In fact, one of my friends told me that, well, well she lives in Florida, but she explained to um, one of her friends about how this Title IV-D funding is working and how child support works and how taxpayer dollars are funding all of this stuff. And she told me, she said, this person flipped out when she found out that her social security monies are going into this title four D as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, you know, uh, a lot of us that are going through this, um, it's, it's, a, it's a mental insanity. It's insanity. Um, and that it can continue for this long. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, a very powerful person um, because I pray so much. Mm-hmm. And, and so I use that in every way that I can. Um, but yeah, this, this needs to end. Our children deserve so much better. Definitely. Um, I always tell parents, you know, put it in God's hands and let mm-hmm. him deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, he's more creative than uh, whatever we would think of. You know, I mean, but people are just so, you know, they're just, their constitutional rights are being violated. There's no due process. And I don't know if you're running into this, but there's pro se's out there. Do you talk to many of them? I am or- one as well. And yes, I do. They've become my friends. <laughs> um, you know, they've become, you know, I go online to see lots of wonderful advocate, advocating they're doing. And um, mm-hmm. it, you know, motivates me Uh to do it too. And so I get on five, 10 minutes, I'm going to start posting stuff and I'm going to put those names out there that are 
the people that are keeping me from my son. Mm-hmm. Now, when was he taken? So I left my husband in 2019 um, after this horrible experience of being on a 5150 falsely. Um, I did leave him. And uh, then he started the ex parte, um, which ended up me losing custody uh, in wow. 2019. I was an employee at Google and uh, the judge wanted me to do therapy for one hour a week and all these things to get my son back. Um, so I did all the things mm. and I, and I had um, a couple of different attorneys and ended up with the really actually one that was really good and organized. Uh, mm. So he helped me meet all the requirements and get my son back. Um, I actually don't think I probably would have gotten 50% custody back, um, which happened in December of 2020. I don't think I would have gotten custody back mm-hmm. other than the fact that my son, a week before I was supposed to go back to court, ran away from his dad's house. Mm-hmm. And that act that he did in the middle of the night, he wa- he left his dad's house at, I think, around 1130 p.m. Mm-hmm. This is December 2020. He walked a mile to my place Aww. with two backpacks and a pocket knife. Mm-hmm. And um, I got a phone call from his sibling that asking if he's at my place. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And so I got in my car. I found him a block away from my place. Mm-hmm. Um, we came back to my place. I ordered some DoorDash. We watched a movie together until he fell asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wasn't required to return him to his dad because he had run away. So I got 50% custody back for a year and a half. And uh, then they took him again. And uh, I decided I'm not going to keep on with an attorney. I'm not going to put more money into this machine. So I have not spent any money on um, attorneys. Mm. So you were at 50-50 for a year and a half. Um, Yes. Did Mm -hmm. someone, you know, like people make false accusations to CPS. I don't know if you had that involvement. Um, I don't know what allegations were made to CPS. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I went through the ex parte um, process. Okay. I, I, my ex-husband continues to lie about what happened, um, what the dates were, you know, how long, you know, um, one example is he says I was um, in this mental hospital on a 5150 for weeks. I'm like, nah, buddy, it was 72 hours. I was counting every single hour until I was going to get out. Um, and, uh, you know, that act that he did is what he's used to continue to, um, harass me and my mental health and keep me from being able to live the life I want to live the way I want to live. And, um, and then, uh, Dr. Taylor also continues to use the same thing and then colluding, um, Dr. Taylor actually went as far as, um, uh, in the last year and a half, when I haven't seen my son, I'm spending time at the Gordwara. Uh, she, knowing that she's already done a restraining order against me, sends a booth set up at our Gordwara in our Lunger Hall where we serve meals mm. for behavioral health from El Camino Hospital. So she works for El Camino Hospital. I don't have my son, and I'm going to the one place where I meet my community and have peace. And she sets up a booth over there and sends a couple of people Um and then, yeah, that escalated Gosh. a little bit because I didn't want them there. Yeah, you got a restraining order, so I can't, you know, even contact you. Don't don't show up at this beautiful place that my family built where I'm here for peace. And she set up a, you know, a big 
canopy with your information for behavioral health. Um, everything we need to know about behavioral health is in our scriptures. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, isn't uh, she violating the restraining order purposely? Uh, well, it's collusion. So how do I prove that? Right. I know it. I know that it was intentional. Um, and uh, she kind of talks about in some of these videos that the um, sheriff uh, from their body cam when they're interviewing her when I violated the um, restraining order. And I want to go back to this year and a half that I had uh, shared custody, mm -hmm. which was uh, December 2020 until May 6, 2022. Um, it was wonderful. I lived five minutes from Google office. Um, I had a bike so I could ride. Mm -hmm. I, my son, his own bike, um, and we would go riding together. And then I went with him to school a few times so he could safely get to school. And then he started riding his bike to school. I signed us up for the gym and we were doing a week on week off mm -hmm. right, with his dad. Um, and then sometimes he would stay with me for two weeks because he didn't want to go back there. Mm -hmm. um, and when he would go back, he would get in trouble mm -hmm. for for doing that. Um, we signed up for Orange Theory. We went to the gym three times a week. It was a little bit tough getting him to get off of the games and off of his computer. Mm -hmm. um, but after like two, three weeks of the, me kind of nudging him, um, it became our routine. And uh, he was feeling more confident and proud and uh happier, mm -hmm. um, more self-aware and taking care of his health. Um, he was doing chores at home while I was working on my computer. He would help wash dishes. Um, he was the young man that I was um, trying to raise that will one day become someone in our society who's going to um, add um, to wellness of, of everyone. Um, and, uh, you know, when um, he had spent time with his dad during the months that I had to fight to get custody back. Um, the times I started seeing him, I could see anger issues. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, his misbehaving, um, the same disrespect that his dad gives to his own mother. Mm -hmm. I was starting to see from my son towards me. Oh. And, um, you know, with great patience, I would just walk away and go wash the dishes until he came over and apologized to me. And so, you know, I was helping him to let go of all of that emotional stuff. And he was starting to be really healthy. And then he was taken away again. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that was also done on an ex parte. That was done on, um, let me see, I think. Uh, so he left my house with my older child. Um, and that's where it gets complicated too. My older child actually continues to believe that I have a mental illness oh. and and refuses to have any contact and connection with me until I agree to take medication and go to therapy. And uh, that's really hard for me as I want them to know that one, I don't have a mental illness and two, they don't either. Mm. Um, and so the, my son left with, with their sibling who convinced them that he needs to get away from me and that I'm a danger. Um, <clears throat> No. Going to what all these court cases end up doing is there was, you know, these psychiatric evaluations that they make you do. Um, so the the one that I did costed me about $8,000. And in that report, this uh, Dr. Katz, um, he actually contacted Dr. Taylor. So oh. she put her bias into the report. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the Dr. Taylor that has the restraining order against me. So this Dr. Katz does the report for me for um, court pur- purposes. And he writes in there that there's a 70% chance that I'm going to go manic in the next four years, but that it's okay if I don't take medications. I'm like, you know, stuck. I signed this document because I needed, I wanted to get my son back. Oh. Well, one of, one of my ex-husband's uh, uh, former attorney's, sent that document to my older child mm. in an email because they couldn't reach my ex-husband for a signature. They reached out to my child's email and forwarded this psychiatric evaluation, putting oh. into putting a seed into their head that within the next four years, I'm going to, I'm going to lose it. And uh, it is, it is. And, you know, I don't know if it was intentional, but it was a violation of my HIPAA. Right. Yes. And, I have yet for anyone to do anything about that. And the only way I can do anything is to pour more money into hiring an attorney to do it. And you're not going to find an attorney to like do that to another attorney. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, the parent alienation, that's, that's parent alienation. I've been alienated from my older child in addition to my son. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Now, your son is going to be 18 this year. November. So then he'll probably go to college. That's the hope and the plan. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And uh, when I had the shared custody, um, I was working at Google. I had all my money from all these years. I had worked at Facebook and at investment firms and stuff. And uh, my plan was that when he turns 18 and he graduates from high school, um, you know, I have a lot of options. I can find other ways to make money. I can travel. Um, you know, these are things that were going on in my head. If he chooses to go to community college, then I'll stay planted in Sunnyvale for another couple of years until he's done with community college. Um, but wholeheartedly committed to raising him and making sure he has all the tools and the resources to be successful and an independent person one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing with this parental alienation when they're under these alienators' control, um, coercive control, actually, and then these kids cannot think for themselves. This mm-hmm. is the part that scares me. Um, my oldest doesn't speak to me; she's twenty-five. I don't think she'll ever speak to me, to be honest. But. It's Sorry, it's all in God's hands, right? And then the middle one came around, but that took till he was 21 to come around. So, but he's still coming. It's not going to happen instantly. But, you know, my fear is even when they're around the alienator, they can't think for themselves because they want to please that alienator. Yeah. It's uh, the emotions start leading um, these situations. Um, but I'm very, I mean, with my older child, I don't, I don't know if our relationship is going to get repaired. And it, there's a lot to unpack and undo. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't worry about them, you know, and going back to prayer, they do keep in touch with my mom and my aunt, my cousins and people in my family. I have a huge family. And so in that way, I don't worry so much about them. Mm-hmm. And my son, um, you know, some of the things that I told him when we had the year and a half custody, 
um, is that just like I had this like really um, spiritual loving um, connection, I'm going to say connection with my dad, you know, we didn't always have like, you know, long chats or things like that, but a very deep loving connection. Um, that was mine and his, even though he had five children, it was uh, really, and maybe part of it, um, you know, I was the third daughter born in India. <laughs> and yeah, everyone was like, oh, man, another girl. Uh. Uh, but my dad, my dad, he was just like, this is he, he kind of like treated me like his son. Like he was like, okay. you all can say whatever you want. This is my, you know, blessing right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, with my son, I have that same. He he came into my life, actually. Um, he was born three weeks after my dad passed away. Mm. And uh, so when our children are in our womb, they're still deeply connected. And I think as mothers, some of us can really understand that. Uh, men, not all men can. Um, and so I was pregnant uh, about due. Um, so he was born November 27th and November 11th in 2006. Uh, we held my dad's funeral. There was about a thousand people there. Mm. And, um, and we all prayed. Um, my son was in my belly listening to those prayers. And mm-hmm. I hope he continues those because it'll help him from being able to think for himself and um, not think in the way of what usually happens when someone's going through this amount of pain, they are going to lead them to thoughts of hurting themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, or being depressed and things. And so I hope he continues to um, stay above all that. Uh, Most definitely. Um, Also, what I was reading that when mothers have sons and you give birth to them and everything, but the DNA from the son is still left in the mother's body, but not a daughter. Mm. Interesting. I, I thought that I think was I've heard that once before. It is. Yeah. It is. I'm like that's wild. So, you know, um, hopefully he will come around. Um, there's there's just so much shame and guilt that they don't need to experience that this person has put on them. Yeah. Well, I haven't had contact with my son for 19 months. Mm. No phone calls. No one will send me a picture. Um, uh, I did finally get one um, very recently and a message from him passed through someone else um, that he loves me and that he hopes I win city council. That's good. Yeah. So So they can try to erase us from our children's life, but my son sees the truth and they can't erase me from his heart and his thoughts and his prayers uh, for me. Yeah, I agree. That was well said. You know, when do you run for, I mean, when, when do you, do they vote for this? Santa? So March, March 5th is the election. Um, there's four people running, um, one myself and three others. And after um, March 5th, the top two candidates will go on to the November ballot. It has never happened that one candidate has won the majority in March. Mm-hmm. And then there's no need for the November um, in our district. And I'm hoping maybe I will be the first one to change that. I think you should. You have so many great ideas. I was on your website. And, um, you know, how can people reach you if they have any questions? 
Um, my email is on there. I check my LinkedIn messages. Um, yeah, I'm like all over social media. And, um, you know, I worked at Facebook for almost six years. And so I actually um, saw all of this growing. Mm -hmm. So that's another area that I want to um, put focus on helping children with mental health when it comes to social media. Um, and, you know, when I was working there, I used to talk about this too. We need to add education along with these um, tools for communicating um, uh -huh. and ways to protect our children. I agree. Yeah. Now, go, ahead. go ahead. You go ahead. Um, you know, like, I think I'm just myself coming to new realizations of um, kind of like who I am or how important for some reason I am to other people. Um, probably largely due to uh, the San Jose Gordura. And, um, you know, working at Facebook, I got a chance to meet Mark Zuckerberg a few times. Oh, wow. <laughs> Several times. And um, and I look back and he knew who I was and a lot more about me than I thought he knew. Um, and so uh, one time I met him at our summer party and I introduced him to my friend's daughter. And I was like, this is Maxine. And she just got into Harvard. And he told her, don't drop out. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he actually named his first daughter Max. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, and I grew up in San Jose um, and I worked in downtown San Jose as a child at a convenience store. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a young girl that lived around the corner that would just come every day and she would just hang out with me. Uh, she would read all the papers that there were there and stuff. Um, and I think I was like 14, 15 and she's a few years younger than me. Her name is Aurelia. Mm -hmm. And uh, we still keep in touch through so, uh, Facebook. And I um, attended her mom's funeral uh, oh. uh, last year. And uh, Mark Zuckerberg named his third daughter Aurelia. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I have a lot of attention from people that are very powerful and leaders. And I'm going to keep using that as a way to um, get them to start shifting and change and stuff. One of the things that's like, you know, city council, we tell people that are in unions that, oh, we can't give you this raise because, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to have a deficit. We don't have the money. Mm -hmm. We have billionaires <laughs> in our neighborhoods. How can you ever tell, you know, working people that we don't have enough to give you another, like, you know, 50 cents? Mm -hmm. That That's not an answer that any politician should be giving. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. The email, they use to contact you is s-u-r-i-n-d-e-r four s-j-d-8 at gmail.com yes that's me that's my campaign email yep is it okay if they people contact you with that yeah absolutely yeah oh well this is very impressive your website is so impressive i encourage everyone to go on it and um oh whoever set that up i wish they would have set up my website <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, I'll do a little plug in for upwork.com. Mm -hmm. um, I used them and I found a person that uh, has been working with me, making all the changes. Um, he's been so easy to work with and uh, putting in his own creativity in it. Um, and so, yeah, I really recommend using that. It's a great way to be able to make payment and stuff and um, know that you can look at what this person's work is through their I really hope you win. Huh? I really hope you win. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I already feel like I won. I got 75 signatures. That was not easy. Wow. 
Well, I'd like to have you back onto the podcast with updates if you'd like to come back on. I would love to. I would love to. That um, would, yeah. Maybe after March, after the election. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Any any last any last words that you you could recommend to a parent who is going through what you're going through? Um, gosh, um I think one thing that comes about, um, which a lot of people have anyways, but once you're in this type of situation, you're questioning yourself and everything. Um, social anxiety comes up, mm-hmm. and if we have social anxiety, then we set, tend to isolate. Um, and what, what is social anxiety? These thoughts of like excuses of why you should not go somewhere or hang out with someone, um, to kind of uh, sometimes push those away and do the opposite of that and go out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, meet people who don't need, don't know all your history, but don't need to either. Cause you can just be present and have new experiences. And so in the last year and a half, I've made so many new friends. Mm-hmm. I've had wonderful experiences. And so that's what my advice is. You know, to, to do the opposite of what you might be feeling and go out and keep um, advocating and also uh, making friends and, and living your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. Well said. But uh, don't jump off, okay? Okay. Well, on the Gavel is a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth, and Raised by These Wolves, How Family and Federal Courts Are Failing Our Children. Please join us again here in the future with Surrender Kaur Dalawal and other exciting guests. You can find me on Spotify, YouTube, Apple, iTunes, Anchor FM, and other platforms I don't know about. And feel free to buy me a coffee to help support this podcast. Thank you so very much, Surrender. Thank you. Um, thank you for doing this podcast and continuing to be an advocate. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, and we will get the word out. All right. Thank you.